I spent last weekend working out my frustrations on a block of black walnut that deserves way better than the likes of me carving away at it. I was, and still am, trying to make a carved wooden handle for one of my cameras. The alternative is spending 125 bucks on a soulless piece of plastic, so on a whim and having decided that I could do better and had nothing to lose... I grabbed some wood left over from one of Cynthia's recent projects, and I started cutting, gluing, clamping, carving, and sanding my way closer and closer to just giving up and ordering that damn piece of plastic. To say that it's not going well is a bit of an understatement. I've now gone through a couple of prototypes and have worked out some of the bugs in my design, but limited by my rather basic knowledge of how to safely use what few tools I have and Having never worked with walnut before, there is going to be a clear point at which I will have taken my vision as far as it can go with the skills that I have. Far from being the beautiful, polished, handcrafted handle with which I imagined I would be lugging my camera into the Land Rover this January on safari, a piece of craftsmanship that would speak to the romance of an earlier day when such things were handmade by men with plaid shirts and gentle beards, this thing is starting to look like a piece of crap even an eight-year-old would refuse to bring home from shop class to give to his dad on Father's Day. What's this got to do with you and your creative life? Well, I'm not 100% sure, but (laughs) having been asked recently about the relationship of craft and skill to the less tangible realm of imagination and vision, I thought maybe we could talk about it. I'm David Dushman, and this is episode 72 of A Beautiful Anarchy. Welcome here. While those who know me are probably already looking around at each other as if to say, wait a minute, he's got power saws now? Is this a good idea? My time in the portion of the garage that I will call, aspirationally, the workshop, are not generating the kind of artisanal projects I imagined they might when I first brought home that orbital sander and the miter saw. I go into each of my projects with clear visions of perfectly mitered corners, smooth, unblemished cuts, and, eventually, finished pieces that Cynthia will look at with pride. Instead, I worry she's giving me fewer and fewer projects to help her with. As a bit of a newbie to all of this, I feel, to put it mildly, unequal to the task. But I have felt this way before. I know this feeling. You know the way you feel in your gut when you hear that very particular mix of squealing tires, grinding metal, and breaking glass, and know instantly that two cars have collided? That's the way I feel in the workshop these days. Hearing over the saws and sanders the unmistakable sound of the collision between my overdeveloped imagination and my underdeveloped craft. I felt this as a younger man learning to draw as well. I could see things in my mind's eye, and I would sit down with pencils and a sketch pad, and (laughs) what ended up on that paper wasn't remotely like what I had conjured in my mind. Not at first. I'd be trying to draw a moose. The image was so clear in my imagination, and instead I'd end up with something that more closely resembled, I don't know, a drunken dog with a swollen nose and a couple of screwed-up lampshades on its head. The misalignment between my vision and my inability to execute that vision clearly articulated by those who would encouragingly say, Oh my God, I love it. What is it? 
I felt like this when I first started photography too. And I recognize this dissonance in my students as well as they try to bridge the void that inevitably opens like a chasm between their craft, such as it is right now, and their ever-expanding vision. It is the nature of things that our vision usually outpaces our craft. Being relatively unhindered by things like physics or the necessity of mastering tools and materials, imagination and vision have fewer real-world constraints or barriers to entry. And yet they do remain related to each other. If you don't know what is possible, it's hard to really imagine what could be in a practical way, or even to get serious about being creative with problems you don't know exist in the first place. We've had ongoing renovations in our home since we bought it almost three years ago, the latest of which was tearing up the front yard and taking it through what probably to neighbors looked like various war zone recreations before turning it into something really quite beautiful. All the way through these projects, the people we were working with would turn to me for guidance. So what do you want to do here? How do you want to do this? They would ask. And I kept telling them I had only the vaguest of ideas, that they were the experts. And without understanding what was possible, it was really hard to speak intelligently about the ideas that I had in my head. I mean, I had this vision. It was mapped out in the drawings that I had made. But without a deeper knowledge of the craft it would take to make these things real, I found it almost impossible to make choices without Cynthia throwing me a lifeline in the form of endless Pinterest boards and Instagram feeds, which immediately helped me understand what was possible and gave me a direction in which to allow my imagination to run wild. There is an inescapable relationship between the very real, tangible world of craft and the more speculative world of the imagination. In the late 80s, I spent a week at Disney's Epcot Center in Florida, and if my memory is at all accurate, it was the spaceship Earth ride in Future World, whose narrator kept saying, if you can dream it, you can do it. Or maybe he just said it once, and I remember it as being on a bit of a loop because I did the ride so many times. If you can dream it, you can do it. That was part of a quote from Walt Disney. The rest of it was this. Always remember that this whole thing was started with a dream and a mouse. But it's not quite accurate, is it? I mean, it started with a dream and a mouse, but also at least some ability to draw that mouse and to do whatever it is that animators do. Never mind the ability to tell a compelling story. These are elements of skill and craft, not just imagination. In fact, even that's not quite right. Mickey Mouse started out as Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which Disney only changed because he lost the rights to Universal Studios. But if you do some searching, you can find early renderings of both Mickey and Oswald, and they're not much different from each other. Of course, this is a little bit beside the point, but it's never really just as simple as being able to dream it. It also takes the necessary skills to pull it off. Creativity is a bit like a call and response between what we can dream and what we can do, and it relies on the development of both in order to keep moving forward. The more skilled our craft becomes, the more it informs our vision or imagination of what is possible, and the more we dream, the more demands those dreams make on our ability to realize them with the skills of our craft. One feeds the need for the other, and growth in either 
calls the other forward if we're listening and choose to follow the call. In the photography world, I often get the feeling that there are two teams, and I'm sure this applies across many disciplines. Team craft focuses on matters of technique. It is uncompromising in its focus on pushing the limits on what is possible with the technology and the tools. They have their own vernacular, their own goals, and their own assessment of what makes a final photograph good. Team vision, or creativity on the other hand, is a little more free-spirited. If team craft draws heavily from among the nerds and the geeks of this world, and I use both terms with equal parts affection and reverence, then team creativity draws from among the dreamers and the artists. They are the ones who want to say something. They're more about the art than the artifice. And the illusion that these two groups are on separate teams, not only in the photography world, but across disciplines, reminds me of a prescient line from singer-songwriter Bruce Coburn. In his song, Burden of the Angel Beast, he says, Those who know don't have the words to tell, and the ones with the words don't know too well. Our ability to say or express something through our craft cannot be separated from the need for the skills of that craft. The writer, with an extraordinary mastery of language, but nothing to say, is just as hobbled as the one with the wildest imagination and no words or skill with which to wield them. The painter, with the most astonishing knowledge of pigments and color theory and capable of brush strokes of extraordinary skill, is still merely in possession of unapplied skills and meaningless mastery unless she uses them to say something and to stir something in us that is bigger than mere canvas and paint and years of practice. No art that I can think of, and here we open the door to a debate about art that I'm not really interested or, frankly, even capable of having, but no art that I can think of is a product of skilled craft without imagination or creative vision any more than it might be the result of the most astonishing creativity and imagination without the means that skilled craft gives us to realize it. To paraphrase Coburn, those with something to say need the words to say it, and those with the words need to have something to say. The reason I think this could be an important conversation is that it provides a paradigm that suggests at any point in our journey a way forward. It suggests the necessary next steps, especially when we might be floundering or languishing outside of flow, that state in which we otherwise do our best work. Flow happens most reliably in the tension between our craft or skill and what we're trying to accomplish with that craft or skill. If you're exceptional with whatever the particular tools of your creative craft, but you aren't doing something challenging with it, there's no tension, and flow requires that challenge or friction to keep us interested and growing. Likewise, if you're working on something big for which you've got a clear and compelling vision, and your skills aren't remotely sufficient to pull it off, you'll be met not with flow, but anxiety and frustration. Though, I think more productively, we could see this as an invitation to learn needed next skills and to lean into the gap between what you have mastered and what you have not yet mastered, and in that, to find the challenge, get back into flow, and move a little closer to realizing your vision. 
which brings us back to the workshop and my piece of crap walnut handle, because we so often look at the thing we are making as if our efforts are only validated when that thing becomes what we hoped it would be, when the gap between what we imagine and how we express that is easily bridged. I'll be honest with you folks, the camera handle I'm making, it's not going well. Not if we're judging my efforts on how the damn thing turns out. I feel a little bit like I need to find and apologize to the walnut tree from which this piece of wood came, but I am learning. My second prototype is already much more refined, a result of the things that I've learned while desecrating the first one and muttering not so quietly to myself out there in the garage. Each new lesson learned is bringing me closer to what one day might be called mastery of both tools and materials, and each step closer to that gives me greater sensitivity to what is possible, allowing my imagination to move forward into places I wasn't aware existed before this. It could well be that much of the work we make now serves its best function not in becoming what we think we're actually making, but in teaching us whatever it is we need to know to make the next thing. This is how we grow in both craft and vision. We will all, one day in the future, look back at some or even much of what we make now and find diminishing joy in it as our vision and skills grow and evolve. The piece that takes pride of place now in your your studio or your portfolio you will most likely replace that with something more refined, something made with greater imagination and mastery of technique. But you'll only do so because you made that earlier work and from the lessons learned, got to where you are now. You can't leapfrog now in order to get to later any more than you can skip the mastery of craft in favor of feeding your imagination and still possess the means to realize the dreams you conjure in that inner world, or vice versa. All of this may seem so obvious, but there is a tendency among those who find themselves more naturally inclined to one side of this equation than the other to underestimate the importance of the other half of things. Those drawn more to the side of skilled craft, the use of tools, and a desire for mastery of technique will find it harder to embrace the need for the less tangible stuff of imagination or vision, while those who spend days lost in their thoughts might find it really hard to concede that time working on the particular craft that makes it possible to express those ideas would be time well spent. As with so much in life, there is more wisdom and, in this case, creativity in both and than in either or It is not whether craft or vision is better than the other, but whether either alone is sufficient to pull us forward and to create what right now is a little bit out of reach. Thank you so much for joining me. If this podcast makes a difference for you, the best way you could say thank you is to share it with others. And if it's new to you, you'll find it takes a short break every four weeks when I send out instead a new issue of On The Make, which is like a written episode of this podcast sent to your inbox every fourth Sunday morning. If you're not already getting it, but you'd like to, just go to startuglybook.com, scroll to the bottom, and let me know where to send it. And once a month, I'll draw the name of one listener to whom I will send a signed copy of A Beautiful Anarchy, the book that started all of this, as a thank you for listening. 
Our times together each week are way too one-sided to be a real conversation, but if you ever want to change that, you can get me anytime by email at talkback at abeautifulanarchy.com. Thanks again for being here. We'll talk soon. In the meantime, go make something beautiful.